0: Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel.
1: All right, I am Tom Lapell and this is episode 101 of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our Best Buy picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you're looking for a new car or truck. You also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide and a bunch of other fun stuff. And you can catch up on back episodes of the podcast right there on our homepage. All right, let's see who's online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Trek SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. Hello, Jill Salmanello.
2: Hello, Tom Appel.
1: How are you?
2: I am doing very well.
1: I just lost my notes. This is weird. I'm going noteless. This is weird.
2: <laughs> oh, oh the, be prepared for a bumpy ride. If you don't have <laughs> notes, this is not going to end well.
1: Uh, no, you know what I did? I left in notes from last week. Ah, uh, OK. So if I seem confused...
2: <laughs> that's totally normal?
1: If I seem more confused...
2: Okay, got it. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Guess what I did yesterday, and that's yesterday, uh, Wednesday.
2: Uh, I, don't, I don't have to guess. I know exactly what you did. But yeah. I figure I would let you tell the story anyway.
1: Yeah, right. I was in WCPT Studios for the first time in like two years.
2: Yeah, we haven't, we haven't been there um, since what? March of 2020?
1: So I was, I was a guest on Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez, which is a new show. It airs at 5 p.m. at awesome. WCPT, that's Chicago time. But Patty has invited me back uh, the last Wednesday of every month, so people will want to stream that live or listen on WCPT.
2: And are you there for the whole episode, or how does that work?
1: I'll be on roughly at
2: 5.30. Okay.
1: No one so- wants to give a car guy an hour
2: hey wait but you'll give two car guys and a girl an hour i'm just gonna put that out there
1: this is, this is our own show
2: oh okay got it
1: no one gives a car guy an hour
2: so she right. gives you two minutes at 5:30. got it
1: half an hour i get a okay. full half hour okay all right <laughs> All right. He's a senior editor here at Consumer Guide, and he's just back from a three-county cheese tasting tour of northern <laughs> Wisconsin. Welcome, Damon Bell.
3: Uh, so, so Patty invited you back, huh?
1: <laughs> Against all odds.
2: What, what did you bribe her with is my question. Did donuts. you bring donuts? I did. Now uh, <laughs> the, the, the truth comes, the truth out.
1: comes out. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> such, a, such an important uh, bargaining tool, the donuts.
2: Yes, which we haven't had since we were in studio. I'm going to point out.
3: Yeah, maybe that's why I'm cranky these days. <laughs> no donut? donut deficiency.
1: Yeah, you know why I'm cranky? Donuts have gone up in price like thirty uh, percent.
3: Yeah, everything's gone up in price. Yeah, but donut deficiency. Yeah,
1: these are a staple. People need donuts. Hmm.
3: <laughs> do they really though?
1: <laughs>
3: yes. yes. Yes, I think they do. Clearly.
1: All right. oh uh, Hey, Damon, I was having outpatient surgery during practice today. What's coming up on the show?
3: Got a great show today, and I'm really looking forward to talking to our guest. We've got John McElroy on the show. John is the... President of the Auto Line series of shows, uh, they do webcasts. Actually, they have a handful of them now. There's AutoLine Daily, which is a great kind of bite-sized overview of, of auto industry stories that, as its title suggests, happens on a daily basis. I They've never miss that show. It's, it's an awesome way to, to quickly keep abreast of what's going on in the auto world. Uh, great little news tidbits in there. They also have AutoLine this week and they have AutoLine after hours, which is a very fun, little bit looser discussion and analysis of industry trends. So we had seen in a recent AutoLine daily show that John had a very interesting take on, yeah. Yeah. And, and actually a prescription for what he thinks yeah. automakers should do. It's crazy to, to grapple with this, but we are, as John put it in the his segment, we are entering the sunset of the internal combustion engine I mean all signs are pointing to the fact that we're moving to EVs, uh, one way or the other, in one speed or another, and the end is in sight for at least mass production of internal combustion engines. And John has an interesting take on what he thinks automakers' strategies uh, should be for the next, say, five, ten 10 years, and, and how you wind down that production. So that'll be a fun conversation. But first, in this first segment, I'm just gonna throw out a couple words here uh wilderness
1: uh-huh. T-
3: timberline uh, trail sport what, what what do those
1: make you think of increased profit margins
3: yeah <laughs> there you go there you go those are all recent those are all recently launched uh trim levels and i think we can actually call them sub-brands now because that's what they're developing into actually not even developing they were kind of uh, engineered that way from the start all those three words are burgeoning sub-brands of off-road ready vehicles Uh, wilderness is subaru timberline is ford and trail sport is honda Uh, we've talked about the subaru outback wilderness and now there's a Forester Wilderness coming soon. Ford uh, launched the Explorer Timberline and very recently announced the Expedition Timberline. And Honda has just announced its Trail Sport brand, which launches on the 2022 Passport. So it's just a trend that we're seeing here of SUVs with a higher level of off-road attitude first and foremost, but some extra capability as well. So what do you, what do you guys think about this, this new trend?
1: Um, it, it's fascinating because I think we've seen with the last two or three generations of, of crossovers that the vehicles get just a little bit more masculine up, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, sharper edges, more in the lines of some sort of, of plastic you know, rocker panel guards, things like that and and it seems like the public is just eating that stuff up mm-hmm. and and you damon you and i have talked about this a lot offline sportiness old school sportiness it seems to be dead like the old school automotive enthusiasm people don't want things that are like gt or turbo or whatever that that doesn't sell anymore and it doesn't work that well on crossovers anyway but but a little bit more masculine a little bit off-roady a little bit of gravel poundy that works
2: yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I really think that this trend, I mean, it was was probably already in the works, but I think that it really kind of exploded because of 2020. Sure. And and people were looking for um, a way to not be stuck at home and do something, well, do something where, you know, you can't go indoors anywhere. So people started to go camping. They start, you know, it's that whole overlanding um experience which isn't a new trend but it's just kind of people buying campers and renting campers and rvs and so i i think this is kind of an offshoot of that and in my mind though i think subaru is the most natural one to to, to the, pick yeah. up on this trend because they're they're an outdoorsy brand anyway like looking at the honda trail sport so they're starting with the um uh, is it the passport and the ridgeline well ridgeline
3: ridgeline isn't officially getting a trail sport Model just yet, but it seems like that's the logical next choice.
2: They, well, so they, they did this Overlanding Expo in Arizona last week, and um, they 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 launched to they didn't launch the Trail Sport. They basically said Trail Sport is coming. Here's two concept vehicles we're going to show you of what this could look like, and one was a Passport and one was a Ridge Line. Hmm. So you know, and they've said that they're they're going to be rolling the Trail Sport um, theme out to all of their quote-unquote like trucks which would include um you know those two vehicles as well as the crv and the um pilot pilot but mm-hmm. ironically their light truck definition also includes odyssey so wouldn't that be funny <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's funny because they uh, toyota has already uh gone in that direction now the name of that new 422 toyota sienna trim level is Escaping me right now, but there is a slightly raised ride height slightly more (laughs) off-roady looking Sienna minivan So that's how that's how far this is going
1: well, if you wanted to see the best sort of market demonstration of how and why this works, you need look no further than Subaru, right? The Subaru Legacy, Subaru's mid mid-sized car, doesn't sell very well. But you make it a wagon and make it off-roady and call it Outback, and it sells extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you take that a step further, charge another 1800 bucks for it? Perfect.
3: Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. I, I read an article um, I think it was in conjunction with the launch of the expedition timberline that's the new for 2022 uh, model which tom i do have to point out the other new model for the expedition as we talked about uh, last week is the stealth edition. Yeah. So there is there is a that's street true. there's still a little bit of street performance interest that's too true. and of course the Ford has the ST version of its explorer and its edge. So I agree with you hundred percent though. The the idea of a lowered street performance SUV that's inherently less uh, dynamic handling wise than a car is still a bit of a head scratch for me <laughs> but there was an interesting statistic i i read in in one of these articles and that was that in annual u.s the annual u.s consumer spending for outdoor activities uh 900 billion dollars that's what? a 900 billion with mm-hmm. a b dollar industry and that uh 114 million people participate in that so Obviously, manufacturers are going to want their slice of that pie, and sure.
1: yeah, Jill, and there like are plenty you, of people who want to look like they participated <laughs> <that.
3: laughs> with a kayak on the roof of an outback yeah. or, or by <laughs> other means, yes. But, but I, like you said earlier, Jill, this this was already in the works pre-COVID. Uh, I was I attended the twenty nineteen. Uh, Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association show. That's the SEMA show in Las Vegas. And that was an obvious trend I noticed there was, and that was in October of 2019, Mm -hmm. a few months before COVID hit. And one of the most prevalent trends at that show was this overlanding uh, uh, idea where it's, you know roof mounted tents and ladders that will take you up to the top of your forerunner your your or your jeep wrangler um and so that was already a fully uh rolling trend and i think covid just turbocharged it that much more because you yeah know, what better way to social distance and get out of your house than <laughs> go camping out in the wilderness and so yeah i i would assume that uh outdoor equipment manufacturers are doing gangbusters business now one thing i was noticing in this latest batch of off-roady suvs do you remember the ford Explorer like what tom what is the first suv that was really a sales dynamo that that was like got the trend started in a big
1: way well the first family family-friendly was the 91 explorer Yes But before that there was the Cherokee But that was kind of special purpose
3: I'm thinking specifically about the Explorer And what was the must-have trim level Of those early 90s Explorers Oh heck, Eddie Bauer Exactly <laughs> And what, when's the last time you've heard Eddie Bauer talked about
2: Mm. Mm. No, I don't know They used to have a big store on Michigan Avenue I don't think they do anymore
3: Yeah, it's just, it's it's curious to me that in the past And I I feel like there were other marketing team-ups Between automakers and outdoor gear purveyors North
2: Face, I feel like North Face was one
1: North Face worked with Chevy for a while And L.L. Bean worked with Subaru for a while Right.
3: Right So it's interesting to me that this time around automakers have apparently decided yeah we can create our own brands and not you know partner with anybody else like we've got a strong enough identity we can create on our own
1: so speaking of own brands and and jill of course always reluctant uh (laughs) to to break embargoes but i'm going to do that right now i've got five vehicles you guys you're breaking an embargo (laughs) i'm breaking five embargoes
2: okay okay
1: so these are coming overland vehicles that you guys haven't heard of are you ready
3: where did you get this data, Tom?
1: I can't tell you that. I can't okay. tell you that. Okay. Yeah. I have, in, I have inside information. Wow. All this right. is a
3: total uh, total car stuff podcast exclusive here. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> that's right. This is, you
1: heard it here first. Okay. So we've got, we've got the Audi Q5 Trailmaster Pro. <laughs> okay. The Lexus RX 350 Gravelier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Jaguar F-Pace Brixham Brushmaster. Hmm. Okay.
3: and Brushmaster?
1: Brushmaster, yeah. Okay. The Lincoln Corsair Towpath Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and the Buick Enclave Cacti. Cacti. Oh. <laughs> huh. So i want to see this soon.
2: I, I just want to say, in case anybody doesn't have a sense of humor out there, we're kidding.
1: <laughs> no, no. What, are we?
2: <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, but I would hate for anybody to think we're actually breaking an embargo i am paranoid about
1: that
3: oh. there will be seasoned oh. i want to see the uh the logo designs for the cacti and yeah what was the, what was the second one tom
1: the second the lexus rx 350 gravelier Gravelier. gravelier. Is, there, is there an accent
3: mark over any of the vowels
1: in gravelier well because there isn't but there should be because then it
2: would be like Gravelier. Okay. <laughs> you're like, you know, gonna do the uh, French pronunciation. See, you then you're like...
1: under. Then you're undercutting the the macho outdoorsy vibe, though.
2: Got it, because you know. Oh. All right, French aren't outdoorsy.
1: Yeah, Americans generally don't associate anything French with outdoors and rugged. Well, no. <laughs> no, they <laughs> okay. should. Oh, well.
2: okay. All
3: right. Hey, you know, if you want to go rugged in French, and just have brie by the campfire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Problem solved. All right. We're going to take a break. While we come back, we chat with John McElroy of Detroit Adeline. Stick around. Hey, it's Tom. Did you know that with Electrify America's vast electric vehicle charging network, you can now drive your EV from coast to coast? And with their ultra-fast charging stations, you'll get back on the road even faster. With more than 650 convenient locations nationwide, just pick your destination and hit the road. Visit electrifyamerica.com and see how Electrify America is bringing freedom to EV drivers. That's electrifyamerica.com.
0: Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast.
1: All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guy Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, and I'm delighted that you're sticking around with us today. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly suggest you follow me on Twitter. I am car guy Tom. That is car, underscore guy, underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain. All right, our guest today is one of the most respected voices in the auto industry. He is the creative force behind several excellent news productions, and his Auto Line This Week program has earned him an Emmy Award. We're honored to have him with us today. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, John McElroy. Hey, John.
0: Thanks very much for having me on, you guys. really appreciate it. Hey, John, car
1: guys don't earn Emmys. What's the deal? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, we do a television program called Auto Line This Week. It's, we bring on top-level executives in the industry, talk about uh, what's going on from the 40,000-foot level, and uh, if you do a TV show, you can apply for an Emmy, and we managed to snag one. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> no, it's honored to
1: have an Emmy Award winner on the program. Um, I watch your daily show, or actually I listen to your daily show every day, and that's how I stay informed. And it was actually on your daily show that uh, you, had a, you had a Detroit online insight, insight that I thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, you guys have been talking an awful lot about the move of the industry to EVs, which, of course, is the big news. But your insight had to do with how this was all going to happen. And and, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about that. How is it that manufacturers are going to wrap up ice production? Because I think that your prediction slash uh, prescription was
0: brilliant. Well, well, thanks for that, Tom. And, you know, here's how it goes, essentially. You know, so many countries around the world are banning the internal combustion engine. I think Norway is the first, starting in 2025. That doesn't mean that they're going to send the cops out to confiscate your car if you've got (laughs) one with a piston engine. (laughs) What it means is that automakers will no longer be able to sell new cars with ICEs in them. Then there's a bunch of other countries that come in around 2030 and a bunch more after 2035. And then there's brands like... Volvo and Jaguar and Cadillac, who are all going to go fully electric this decade. Well, as I started to look out, it's like, well, what do you do with all your manufacturing plants making engines and the transmissions that go along with them? I mean, they're going to have to wind those down at some point. Yeah. And so my idea was why doesn't GM and Ford and the Chrysler group, uh, part of Stellantis, get together? and spin off those operations into one standalone company. Because, you know, they all make engines that are within a fraction of a millimeter in size. I mean, they all make, you know, like a 1.6-liter turbo and a 2-liter naturally aspirated and a 3.5-liter V6 and so on and so forth. They're almost the same size. They make about the same power. They get about the same kind of fuel economy. And guess what? The vast amount of people who buy new cars in the United States, they don't even know what's under the hood. And frankly, as long as it runs right and delivers what it's supposed to, they really don't care. They know even less about the transmission that they've got in their car. So Now, this doesn't apply to enthusiasts. Hardcore enthusiasts, you know, they want their Hellcat engines. They want their Coyote. They want their, you know, LT1s and 2s and the like. So those I would not spin off. But I think you could spin off the rest of them. And, you know, here's where it gets real interesting. GM, Ford and Stellantis in North America make about 8 million engines and transmissions a year. So if you put that into one company, man, you would have incredible economies of scale. In fact, that company could probably sell engines back to those automakers cheaper than they could make them themselves. And now, at, at some point, that thing's got to wind down. But sure. still, you know, if the, if the Detroit Three spun off their powertrain operations, I think their stock would go through the roof. Wall Street would love the fact that they're taking these legacy investments off their books. They could then take that money and put it into what's growing, electric cars, autonomous you know, technology, especially connected technology. So anyway, that was my suggestion, and I'm glad you noticed it.
1: <laughs> One of my favorite parts of that suggestion, because you had elaborated, was that it had to be completely autonomous. Otherwise, makers would argue about which engine was mm-hmm. best It should be the only engine.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you say autonomous, of course, you mean total standalone company. If Correct. they tried to do this on a collaborative basis, the arguments would go on for years. You know, each claiming, well, my engine's the best. No, my engine's the best. No, my transmission's the best, and so on and so forth. You know, we saw this happen. GM and Ford collaborated on building a nine-speed automatic transmission and it right. 10 They got into a bunch of arguments. They saved a little bit of money, but they really didn't get the kind of synergy that they were looking for. And it's because everybody, you know, it's their baby. They're going to argue that their way is the best. And so that's why I say, yeah. You've got to spin it off. It's got to be a totally, completely separate company because they're going to have some very hard-nosed decisions to make as to what stays and what goes.
2: Well, so I have a question for you with that. I mean, okay, you stated that you create this standalone company, which that makes sense to me, but you're creating a company that is basically going to die, <laughs> you know, they, there's an end end life. So how do you convince somebody, I, I, you know, I'm wondering if you've given any thought to this, how do you convince somebody to create a company that in 20 years is gonna be obsolete?
0: Yeah, no, great question, Jill. So, look, it's gonna happen one way or the other. If these operations stay within the car companies, they're gonna die. You spin right. them off, they're gonna die. But you know, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing wrong with a strategy that says, look, The internal combustion engine is not going to disappear in 2035. There's still going to be segments that are going to need them. There's still going to be places in the world, in fact, that are going to want them. But there's nothing wrong with putting together a business strategy that says, look, for the next 20, 25 years, we can make a lot of money. And, yes, (laughs) we know there's a sunset out there, but what's wrong with making a bunch of money in the meantime? And I think you could time this by making sure that you keep people – who are probably going to end up at retirement at the uh, around the point where you've got to wind these down, and I think you're going to have a lot of engine engineers and a lot of transmission engineers who would love to ride out their their careers in a company that's really viable that could really make some good money in the meantime.
3: the thi- the The thing that I thought about as I as I listened to your uh, take on this and Tom and I have had this discussion a lot, and it it breaks my heart to think about this, but Tom asserts that, you know what, uh, vehicle dynamics, handling, and stuff like that, Tom, you would agree that you think that that is a diminishing uh, uh, point of interest for consumers today, right? And and along with that, the, the, the thing that comes to my head when I listen to your take, John, is that If we have this more homogenized uh, powertrain strategy, be it internal combustion engines, if they're uh, really kind of the same under the hood, and I think as we move to EVs, that same thing is happening where there's not a whole lot of difference between the feel of one battery powertrain or another. Other than the, what you do with it with software. So, John, where do you think that brand differentiation is going to come in then? How are automakers going to make themselves distinctive uh, versus, you know, brand X across the street? We want you to buy the Chevy instead of the Ford. Is it all going to be software interface styling? Like, how do you differentiate your vehicles when underneath they are becoming more and more homogenous?
0: Yeah, no, another good question there. Um, well, look, it's not going to be the same for anybody. You all are enthusiasts. I'm an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I care about, you know, how the car rides and handles and how you get throttle response and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if I'm at a track with a car, I'm in hog heaven. I love it. <laughs> but you, you all and I are not like the general public. You know, enthusiasts account for being generous here, maybe 10% of new car sales. The other 90% really don't care. And so what's going to distinguish brands increasingly in the future is going to be styling. Styling still uh, matters a lot. And it's whole consumer experience. And, and you're right, a lot of that's going to be software-driven, but it's not just software, it's going to be the kinds of things that automakers can provide to their car owners where they're just surprised and delighted and love that brand. You know, uh, companies like Subaru have cultivated that kind of uh, experience. Tesla, of course, is, is probably leading the charge in that way. And there's others as well. But, you know, whereas if you go back, let's say 30 years ago, It was the car company that could deliver the best fuel economy, the best quality, and that sort of thing. That's all pretty much the same between car companies these days. And so increasingly, it's going to be the way the car looks, the way the car feels, and the kind of experience that it delivers.
1: So, John, I have bored Jill and Damon with a theory that I have. (laughs) but I'd love to get your take on it. And it's, and it's that, that it's going to get more and more difficult for manufacturers to sell premium products. And this is my thinking, what, what is a base product has changed so much in the last 20 years that there is nothing truly base anymore. And I spent a week recently driving the Hyundai Santa Fe Calligraphy, which to my mind, even though it was just about $40,000, was easily considered a luxury vehicle. It was very refined, it was very quiet, it was very well put together. And, and I don't know that consumers are as brand loyal or as brand aspirational as they once were. And, and my thinking is that it's going to get harder, especially because there are vehicles like this Hyundai, uh, for luxury manufacturers to make themselves different and different enough to justify huge price differences in the future.
0: Yeah, that, that, I, I like your thinking in that regard. But, you know, when it comes to luxury, the luxury segment, Brand accounts for so much. You know, uh, a brand like uh, Genesis, Chicago, even though they make terrific cars. And if you think back to vehicles like the Volkswagen Phaeton, uh-huh. it was a terrific automobile, uh-huh. but it costs around $70,000. And someone with 70 grand in their pocket, is just burning a hole there that they want to buy on something and show people that they made it, they don't go to a Volkswagen store. They go to Mercedes or BMW or Audi or something like that. And don't don't underestimate the power of snob appeal with a brand. <laughs> and so even as other automakers uh, build cars, and, and I agree with what you're saying about uh, the Hyundai Santa Fe, very, very, very well done. But again, luxury buyers are not going to say, you know, I could save some money and buy that Hyundai which is terrific or I could get uh pay a little bit more and I get a BMW because for people buying the luxury brand they don't want to drive up to their country club or their golf club and say, you know, look what I just bought here and people their peers are going to say, "Why did you buy one of those?" and they don't want to have to explain why they made this purchase. There will be some who do it because they're going to say, this is very logical. I'm getting great, you know, deal for my money. And, yeah, I I could spend more, but I'm not interested in spending more. I'm interested in spending frugally or or intelligently. Well, for most people in the, the luxury segment, being able to lay down their key fob on the table and have that luxury brand showing clearly it's part of the purchase process of, you know, why they went and got that car.
1: So, John, speaking of luxury vehicles, does it make sense to you that it's the luxury makers that are moving first and very quickly into the EV world?
0: They have to. I mean, look, you know, EVs, because of the batteries, are very expensive right now. And if you try to make a thirty or $40,000 EV, you're not going to make any money on it. You know, it's... it's <laughs> There's a, it's not a coincidence that the Hummer EV is coming out at, what is it, $112,000 or something mm-hmm. like that? They are going to make a <laughs> profit on that vehicle because they can easily eat the cost of the battery, you know, and they're going to put enough margin on it that they're going to make money. And so you're going to see all the, the luxury brands be the leaders in the conversion to EV because their respective parents, the car companies, need to make money on this. And, uh, you know, uh, you can sell EVs all day long at a loss, but you're gonna get clobbered if you do that. So first, first get it out in the luxury car, start to build up some manufacturing scale, work on taking the costs down, and as you get more successful in that, then sure, start coming out with lower priced vehicles. But as you guys know, the, the emphasis right now is on luxury EVs.
1: Yeah. What, what are you most excited to drive?
0: Want to get in the Lucid Air? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Next week, I'm going to have a crack at getting in the, the Tesla S Plaid. Can't wait to get into that thing. Um, and I've got to tell you, though, everything that we've been talking about, I was just at the opposite end of the spectrum. I just got out of driving the new Ford Maverick pickup. And I got to tell you, I am smitten by that truck. And, you know, know, base version, roughly 20 grand. If you get the hybrid, you're going to get roughly 40 miles to the gallon. That, I mean, that speaks to me loud and clear, and I think the public's going to love it.
3: Yeah. I just wanted to backtrack for a quick uh, second. When you mentioned the Tesla Plaid, that reminded me of a point that I think we should make about these latest EVs. I was listening to a podcast recently with uh, a former editor of Hot Rod Magazine which a bu- with a bunch of old school Hot Rod guys, and it was hilarious to listen to them grapple with this wave of EVs, <laughs> and their, their knee-jerk response is to, you know, oh, these, they're awful, but that Tesla Plaid can out-drag race anything that, that out there, in ter- uh, not anything, but... For a production vehicle, it's faster than all the performance cars out there. So, and as a commuter vehicle, that shift to EVs, performance is going to change, but it's not, it's actually going to be better. These new EVs are faster with no break in the acceleration, instant on torque. So if you're sad about the sunset of internal combustion engines, which they're certainly Reasons to be if you're an enthusiast or traditionalist, but the average performance of your daily driver vehicle that's an EV is really only going to improve.
0: Yep, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, I I love the sound of a V8 engine. There's nothing like it. You know, you step on it. And even when you're, you're, like, backing off, especially like you're in, under a bridge abutment or in a tunnel. <laughs> oh, my God, it sounds so good. <laughs> These will never match that. And I I, I know uh, engine builders. I've rebuilt engines myself in the past. You know, it's it's cool to work on. It, it's mechanical. It's It's something you can understand. So I sympathize with them. But I'm also a hardcore enthusiast. I am a motor racing enthusiast. And to me... It's not about how you got the job done. It's about getting the job done. And if you're going to give me a car that's faster than anything else and can lick everything else around me, that's what I'm for. If it happens to be electric, oh, well. I (laughs) want the performance over anything, any kind of argument of how that performance got delivered. Amen.
1: (laughs) John, we have run out of time. Please remind us about all the Autoline shows that we should know about.
0: Yeah, thanks. I mean, anybody can check out our website, autoline.tv. You can look for us on YouTube as well. We do a daily newscast around 10 minutes long about the latest news in the global automotive industry. We do an an hour-long webcast every Thursday that really looks into the technology and the product uh, called Autoline After Hours. And then we do the TV show, Outline This Week, which, as I said earlier, is like looking at the industry from the 40,000-foot level and what are the major issues that are affecting it. Well,
1: John, I am better informed because of the products you put together, so I am, I am endlessly grateful.
0: Well, I got to tell you, I, I really appreciate you know hearing that, and so Dan, Tom, Jill, to y'all. All right.
1: Hope we can have you on again sometime. He is John McElroy with Detroit Auto Line. We're going to take a break and when we come back, it's quiz time, stick around.
0: Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast.
1: All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, and I'm darn happy that you decided to stick around with us today. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. Hey, how can the folks keep track of your social media activity? Your copious yeah, social media my activity.
2: copious, copious and prolific. Um yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter all at Jill Simonello. So just my name, all one word, um J I L L C I M I N I L L O. Um and I also use the hashtag Azure on pretty much everything I'm posting out there. Um but yeah, so that's how you can find me and I do post every day.
1: Not and just once talk- every day
2: prolifically every day yeah. uh, and I also um, talk back so if you ask me questions or say something I usually try to reply sometimes right.
3: sassily right
2: sassily it depends on how sassy your question or comment is in the first place <laughs> okay.
1: Okay.
2: Damon, I, rep- re- I reply in kind
1: Tim <laughs> and you're active on the Missouri centric show me platform tell us about it <laughs> Uh,
3: I haven't heard that uh, referred to as the Show Me State in quite a while. Mm. That's a pretty good slogan.
2: I, yeah. I spent ten years in the Show Me State, so. Huh. Mm. Did it
3: show you lots of things?
2: It did, but I can't tell you about it.
3: Oh, okay. But does Illinois? Kind of does Illinois have a little catchphrase or a little tagline like that? The land of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. That's right, land of Lincoln. Yeah. Le- it's it's on. Lame. It's on. Used to be on the license plates. Is it still on the license plates? I don't yeah, know. That shows I'm not paying attention. <laughs> anyway, I Lincoln. No. Actually, my kid's elementary school. It's all like Lincoln references.
1: Um, is it? Yeah. If we were so, like the pizza state, I'd be cool with that.
3: There's really not another state that is so proud of a, a former president, is there?
1: i don't think so i mean that's a pretty good president to be proud of for sure for sure one of our best yeah Yeah.
3: (laughs) anyway i am on not on uh the show me platform but i am on twitter oh yeah uh, (laughs) i'm just gonna wrench things back here on track uh (laughs) i'm on twitter at damon bell likes cars
1: all right you guys know what time it is i hope we do lunchtime it is lunchtime right after quiz time, Jill. But thanks oh, for jumping it. ahead on the schedule. <laughs> Today's topic is stick or no stick. Oh. Now, I do want to point speaking, out that...
3: Speaking of, speaking of things in their sunset.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: manual
3: transmissions.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. I uh, just want to point out that Damon is on a three-game winning streak. Oh. Oh. Don't jinx me. Up. Jill was catching up, but that... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I,
2: I will say I have people on Instagram who uh, comment and say, Jill, you got to do better on the quiz. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs>
3: as I recall, it was a pretty slim victory last week. So, oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah.
2: But people are noticing that I'm on this losing streak is the point. And uh, I'm sorry about that. I'll try and do better.
1: <laughs> I am. For the general public, I will accept your apology. Jill, you go first this week. I hope you're ready. Jill, the 2021 Porsche Macan, that is Porsche's smallest crossover, is that available even in base form with a manual transmission? Stick or no stick? No stick. No stick. You're saying no stick. Mm
3: -hmm. Damon,
2: the
1: Porsche Macan, stick or no stick?
3: I am going to agree with Jill and say
1: no stick. You're both correct. You're both on the board. No stick in the Porsche Macan.
2: Well, wow. and I don't think any of the Porsche SUVs ever had a manual transmission, did they? they
3: Cayenne did. did. Cayenne, Cayenne did, did at one point, yeah. Hmm. It was did not a particular... Yeah, I didn't particularly... I wasn't particularly enamored with the manual Cayenne, but it was cool
1: that there one existed. Yeah, it was an mm. early GTS. Yep. Okay. It was a weird thing to drive.
3: I'm
2: like, many, many moons ago. That was probably when I was just starting out then. It was especially... Yeah,
3: Especially weird thing to drive in heavy suburban
1: Chicago traffic.
2: (laughs) I bet. I bet.
1: (laughs) All right. Question two goes to Damon. Damon, the 2022 Mini Clubman, stick or no stick?
0: Oh, Clubman.
1: The Clubman being basically Mini's take on the station wagon.
3: Yeah. Kind of a cool car. Boy, that is a tricky one. I, it definitely had one in the past because we had one as a long-term we had one. test vehicle which was that car was an absolute delight i am i am gonna say no i feel like i feel like maybe recently the the manual clubman was discontinued not sure on that but i think that's what i'm gonna go
1: with say no stick damon says no jill this question goes to you the 2022 mini clubman stick or no stick
2: Uh, You're touching on two brands that I don't drive a lot of vehicles from. Um, So, and I don't ever remember having a Clubman with a manual transmission. Um, But here's a fun fact while I'm stalling for time. The (laughs) manual transmission vehicle, or the manual transmission in the Mini, I cannot get it into reverse without using two hands. I have, Is that a fun
1: fact or just a fact?
2: It, it, it's. I think it's, well, how about a fun knee fact? And I think it has to do with actually the far forward driving position that I have in most vehicles. And the way my arm lines up, I just can't, like I can't get it straight over. Um, but I had a friend who actually had a Mini Cooper, an older one, and she's like, well, maybe it just needed to be loosened up, and she took me for a drive in her car and let me drive, and I still couldn't get it into reverse, so I'm like, nope, it's just me. <laughs> it's just me. Uh, okay, so I think I stalled enough, and I will say no stick. I'm gonna agree with you're Damon. you
1: both saying no stick, and you're both yeah. wrong. You can oh. get a stick oh, to 20 but not with all-wheel drive, so there you have it. No okay. points in that question. It stays oh. one-to-one. Uh, Jill, the 2021 Nissan Versa, stick or no stick?
2: Oh, oh that's Man. tough. That is that is a tough one. Um, so I last drove the Versa, golly, I think back in 2018. I have not Likeable driven this vehicle in a car. long time. Um, Yeah, I think it was 2018 when they did the the complete refresh, which by the way, it's amazing! I really liked that car. I'm going to say no stick. I'm going to say no stick.
1: Damon, this question goes to you, Nissan Versa. Stick or no stick?
3: Mm, I think I'm going to agree with Jill and say no stick.
1: Oh, you're both wrong. Stick!
2: (laughs) Oh, man!
1: The Nissan Versa S, the base version, is available
2: mm.
1: I think with a 5-speed manual, and that lists for just $15,995.
2: Interesting.
3: Uh, I'm sad to be wrong on both those, but happy to be wrong on both those. Yes. <laughs> Although,
2: really, with the Versa, I mean, the, the days of the economy manual transmission are going away even faster than the actual manual transmission, uh, I think, and... Uh, they, they they didn't even give us one to drive because I, I, I was on the press preview no, they I didn't don't even think provide there was one, one to drive yeah. and they, it's never been in the fleet or anything so, hmm, okay
1: Alright, Damon, the 2022 Honda Civic Sedan Stick or no stick? No stick Joe, the 2022 Honda that's, that's the redesigned Honda Civic the 2022 mm-hmm. Honda Civic Sedan Stick or no stick?
2: I actually am also going to say no stick because I feel like they're putting it on the hatchback, but not the sedan.
1: You are exactly correct, Jill. You guys are both correct. Uh, You both said no stick. You both get a point. It is two to two.
3: Mm. All right. Neck and neck.
2: (laughs) Yeah, two points we got, two points we didn't get, right?
1: (laughs) Last question. This could be a tiebreaker. Jill, the 2022 Chevrolet Colorado, stick or no stick?
3: Oh,
2: Oh, and, and, oh. I feel, uh, so thinking in terms of the mid size pickup trucks, I know you can get a manual transmission in the Tacoma.
1: Okay, everyone knows that.
2: You can't <laughs> get it in the Frontier anymore. They did away with nope. that.
1: Yeah, two years ago.
2: Um, I, I kind of think that the Tacoma might be the only manual transmission mid-size pickup out there uh i'm gonna say no
1: need an answer you're saying no stick yeah damon this question goes to you chevrolet colorado stick no stick
3: boy i am i am at a loss i'm wondering if if i agree with jill then we tie and then we have to go to the bonus question, right? As yeah. the tiebreaker,
1: you're both going to be good at the bonus question,
2: uh, <laughs> which means we're both going to not get it.
3: God, it. The color I feel like the Colorado did have a manual trans at one point, but I don't know if it still does. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna agree
1: with Jill. So you're both saying no stick? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You're both correct. It's tied three to three. Mm-hmm. There was a. There was a stick. Um. Six speed manual available with a 2.5 liter base engine through 2018. 18. Hmm. So that's why that was confusing for you guys. All right, the bonus okay. question is here. Uh, another topic that I think you guys are well apprised of. Uh, Damon, per Amazon.com, which of the following is the online retailer's most popular plug in room air freshener scent? <laughs>
3: <laughs> hmm. Are you ready? this is just across the board aren't there a number of different plug-in
1: yes this is this is by scent and this is as of 1 p.m cst on september 27th
2: okay Okay.
1: because it updates in real time damon most just just
3: just real quick before you start these are all actual sets right you didn't make up any of these there
1: isn't a fake here hmm that seems like a
3: it seems like kind of a missed opportunity for you
1: (laughs) all right we have airwick fresh linen we have febreze gain gain is in the laundry detergent airwick apple and cinnamon febreze linen and sky and finally airwick brown sugar and vanilla which one of those is the most popular
3: could you repeat them again
1: Uh uh-huh airwick fresh linen febreze gain airwick apple and cinnamon febreze linen and sky or airwick brown sugar and vanilla
3: uh, I'm gonna say the first one, the fresh linen. What was the brand of that one? Airwick. Airwick. I'm gonna say that because that sounds like the most conventional. Okay. And, and fresh non-season linen? specific.
1: Yeah. Jill, this question goes to you.
2: I'm kind of waffling between the first one and the last one because, I mean, who doesn't want a clean-smelling house? You know, like linen, fresh linen, it smells like laundry. But um, the reason why I'm going to choose the last one is not only because we actually need to try and break the tie, but uh, also people like the smell of things that are baking.
0: That's and,
2: true. and whenever somebody's trying to sell a house, they always yep. say, bake a batch of cookies before you, um, you know, have somebody come through so it smells like cookies. But come on, let's be real who has time for that? You um, always
1: boil cabbage, and that never goes well for
2: all. You know, I, I, people are like, I'm leaving immediately, um, unless they're Irish. Um, I need but, an answer, Jill. Uh, I'm, last one. I said, i really I gave you my answer, the last one.
1: Okay, so you're going with Airwick brown sugar and vanilla? Yeah. Jill, you did break the tie, but not in your favor. Oh. It is Airwick fresh linen. Damon is great. Oh. Those were actually in order of popularity.
2: Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I was waffling between the first and the last, so, yep.
1: So we've got a three-to-three three tie, but Damon kills it on the bonus question. Hey, Damon. Uh-uh. Yes. As long as we're killing time, what's going on at the CD Daily Drive blog this week? Got some good
3: stuff as usual. A couple Lexus uh, articles this week. We've got a Steve and Johnny road test from our radio friend Steve and Johnny on the 2021 Lexus LX300, I'm sorry, not LX, Lexus NX300H. Uh, actually, that's sort of a, there might still be some of those on dealer lots now mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Uh, so it's worth checking out. But we should note that there is an all new NX for 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had our editor at large, Don Secora, on the press event for that. Jill, did you go on the NX as well?
2: I did. And I was actually on Don's Wave, on Don's and, Wave. And, and sat next to him at dinner.
3: So we'll probably be talking about that on the show next week. There's an embargo there, but we can uh, yeah. fill in all the details on the new generation NX on next week's show. Yeah,
2: and then, but I, I ba- think we can say um, that there's a lot of really cool things in technology. And, um, like, the biggest thing, I think, to look for is going to be that new um, Lexus interface system for the multimedia system. Yeah. A little you bit know, of a also- tease.
3: Right.
1: Speaking of, of the NX, Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solution points out that I said that the NX was slow selling. In fact it is Lexus's second best seller. What is strange there it is is that the midsize crossover outsells the compact in that lineup. Hmm. That's unusual.
3: Yeah, and yeah, obviously the new generation one is probably gonna goose the NX sales even further.
1: I suspect it will.
3: Yeah. Uh, And then also, speaking of Lexus, on our blog, we've got a test drive gallery of the 2021 Lexus LS 500. Very sexy styling in a full-size flagship luxury sedan. And there were some important improvements Lexus made to the LS for 2021. Chief, among those improvements is they now have an actual touchscreen. Uh, so yes. you don't have to use the <laughs> unloved Lexus console-mounted touchpad interface, even though that's still there. Uh, not not a lot of people like that remote touch interface, so it's nice to have touchscreen functionality as well. Uh, and then speaking of hot performance cars, we've got a quick spin article on the 2021 BMW M4 Competition Coupe. Uh We talked about the 4 Series Coupe we had recently and its extreme front-end styling. The M4 has that as well, uh, but super hot rod version of the BMW 4 Series. And then finally, an interesting vintage ad gallery of cars pictured next to oceans. Nostalgic (laughs) ad gallery there. That's a lot of
1: fun. Hey, guess what we did?
3: Oi! already up against the clock.
1: Yeah, we ran out of time, but I have some good news. Next week, we're going to be talking to our friend Robbie DeGraff of Auto Pacific, and we're going to be chatting about EV startups that look like they're going to make it. So Ooh. people don't want to miss that show. And there's some out there, right? It looks like Rivian's getting some stuff done and mm-hmm. Lucid's getting yeah, some stuff Lisa done. Yeah, around the corner. Yeah. So that's exciting. So big thanks to our guest today, John McElroy of AutoLine. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Damon. Thanks to producer Paul, who is sitting in for Lady B this week, and the good folks here at WCPT am 20 in Chicago. A big shout-out to my friends Steve and Johnny. And, and this is important, if you want to be added to the Car Stuff mailing list, and you absolutely do, drop us a line at CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com. That is CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com. All right, that's the show. Let's talk more about cars again next week.